Hi, everyone. Dave Therrien here. And before we get into our message, I just want to speak for a minute about the chaos, the heartache that's going on in Ukraine because of the Russian invasion. I don't think anyone is unaware of what's going on out there, and they really need a lot of help, and they need a lot of prayer. And you can pray right right where you are, and that's awesome. But what we're going to do here at New Hope Christian Church in Mass, Massachusetts, we're going to take a door offering this Sunday, collect as much as we can, and send it to Samaritan's Purse, and because they have a ministry going on out there in Ukraine under Franklin Graham, and we want to provide as much help as we can. And um, I'd like to invite you to go to your church leaders as well, wherever you're listening to this program. Maybe go to your church leaders, your pastors, and say, we'd like to take a door offering too for Ukraine. Don't forget, we have a lot of Christian brothers and sisters out there, and they're experiencing all of this hardship, and they're members of the body of Christ as well. And we really need to do all we can to help them. So think about that. And um, if you want to give through our church, you can do that as well. You can go to New Hope Christian Church in Swansea and click on the giving button. And um, then e-giving, choose a fund. It'll say Ukraine. And you can just put in whatever you want into that fund and fill out the information. And we will write a check and wire it, send everything to Franklin Graham, Samaritan's Purse, and just do what we can here in this country, thousands of miles away, but we can still help. So you can either give through us or you can give on your own. Just give to Franklin Graham if you want, uh, Samaritan's Prayer. So go to your church and let's try to rally as many churches as we can to do this, just to take a simple door offering and um, let's, let's help our folks, our friends, our brothers and sisters in Ukraine that are really suffering under this invasion. So thank you for listening. I really pray you'll get involved and let's get into our message today. We're going to talk about justification, what it means to be justified before God. The last time we were together, we looked at the Abrahamic Covenant, because it's been a few weeks, hasn't it? And uh, Glenn did a great job filling in. I want to thank Glenn for doing that. Good to have men that are available to teach the Word of God, stand in the gap. So we need a little review of where we were a few weeks ago with the Abrahamic Covenant. It was a covenant or a contract. That's a covenant, a contract, or a promise, okay? A covenant is a promise. And this was made between God and Abraham. And this is what the covenant consisted of, a promise of land, a promise of descendants, a promise of blessing and a great name. God promised these things to Abraham. Land, descendants, blessing, and a great name. And we noted on the map last time, the land went all the way from the Nile River just about to the Euphrates River. And that was a large landmass, and I don't think they ever really realized the whole landmass because of their many times disobedience and failure to go forward and take the land. The purpose of the covenant, that the nations of the earth would be blessed. You know what I like about God? He's in the business of blessing. Oh, he wants to bless. 
He wants to bless people. He wants to bless nations. He wants to bless governments. He wants to bless families. And he would do that if we would let him. If we would abide in the word of God and the things that he says, those blessings would come. And all those entities, oh, they'd all be so much better than they are today. So because of Abraham's faith in what God had said, he was saved. Oh, Abraham was saved because he trusted what God had said. The Bible tells us in Genesis 15, verse 6, Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. So the moment Abraham said, Yes, God, I believe in these promises, God reckoned it to him as righteousness. The word reckon, it means to, like, assign, to assign something. God assigned him righteousness. That's what he did. Now, Abraham and his seed, his descendants, are to be a light in a world of darkness. This whole world, it's called the cosmic system. It's the devil's world. That's why things are so bad. It's the devil's world. He's the prince of this world. Jesus called him that. The prince of this world. He's the God of this world. He's in control of this world, as far as God will let him. But God is going to use a remnant to save the world. A remnant. Abraham and his seed. It's a remnant. You know, God always uses a remnant. God doesn't need the majority. He often uses the minority. Remember the story of Gideon? He went to battle with 300 men. Started off with 20,000. God reduced it to 300. A remnant. Okay, Gideon, now go fight. He used 12 apostles to bring the gospel to the whole world. That's all. 12. That's it. 12 apostles. A remnant. He fed 5,000 people. With what? Two little fish. Five pieces of bread. Remnants. That's all it was, remnants of a little boy's lunch. See, God does his greatest work with a little. There's only one thing that he needs, availability. That's all. He needs people that are available. He doesn't need a lot of people. He just needs a few people that are very, very available to him. That's all. And if you count yourself as available to the use of God, oh, he's got big plans for you. He can use you, but if you're not available, there's really no place. There's only a place for the available people. And thankfully, Abraham was. That's why God could use him. Now notice, Abraham was made righteous, then he was called to be a light. So notice, he was made righteous. That's first. First, he was made righteous. Then, he was called. God doesn't call the unsaved. He calls the saved. So what he did with us, he saved us. Then he called us. So the moment we're saved, we enter into a calling, and God has a calling on every Christian's life. So it's our responsibility to what? Hear that call. Have you heard God call? Have you heard him call you? 
What's he called you to? What's your assignment? Oh, every Christian needs to know what they've been called to. So here's the chronology. This is called, this, watch how simple this is. Faith before works. Faith before works. That's how this, now you might say, why are you giving me this? I know this. Let me tell you something. Half of Christianity doesn't. They don't. They don't know this. And most of the world thinks it's works before faith. So God is, wants to make it very simple, plain, and clear. Faith before works. Abraham is our example. So here's a chronology of how this works. Number one, the word. The word goes out from God. Number two, the word then becomes belief in your heart. You receive it, you believe it. Thirdly, that belief now becomes salvation. Now you're made righteous. Fourthly, salvation, here it comes, is God's gift of grace. It's a gift that goes to the person, not who works, but who believes. That's all. Salvation is a gift that goes to the person who believes. This brings us to the New Testament understanding of justification by faith. We're going to look at the New Testament and see how Paul uses Abraham to teach justification by faith. Now, this is something every believer should, number one, know. It's something every believer should, number two, understand. That means you live in it. And here it comes. It's something every believer should be able to explain. So like, where are you on this? Are you at the explaining stage? Are you at the understanding stage? Or are you just at the knowledge stage? Because, you know, Peter said we should be able to give a hope for the reason of our faith. We should explain why we believe. Why do we believe in God? Why do we believe we're saved? We, we should be able to communicate that to other people. Not just know it. Not just understand it. But explain it. That's why we have this simple message tonight. To equip you. So you can e explain it. I know you know it. Because you're good students. And I'm pretty sure you understand it. But I want you to be able to explain it to someone. That if someone said to you, hey, I heard about justification by faith. What does that mean? And you're like, oh man, I thought you'd never ask. And then you let them have it. That's the stage that we want to be at. Be able to explain these things. Okay? So we're in Romans chapter 4 verse 1. Here's what Paul said. What then shall we say? That Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found. Now, for, see, Paul was Jewish. And even though Abraham wasn't Jewish, because <laughs> there were no Jews at that time, his seed, Jacob, was the father of, became Israel. So we just trace it back to Abraham, okay? So he's saying, 
What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, is found? What did Abraham find? Verse 2. If Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. He cannot boast in front of God. He can boast in front of men. No one can boast about their works before God. You know why? Because all of our works fall short. That's why. There are no works that grant salvation. There's none. There's nothing we can do. There's not a work that we can produce that we would receive salvation. Can't do it. If we could, then Jesus never would have left heaven. He never would have come to earth, lived here for 33 years, and then died a horrific death on a cross. Would never happen if there was something that we could do. So Abraham discovered something. Abraham discovers that he was not justified by anything that he could do. Verse 3, what does the scripture say? Now he's going to quote Genesis. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now what does it mean that Abraham believed God? It means that he entrusted himself to him. It's not head knowledge. A lot of people believe God. They believe in God. They believe in a God, some God. That's not salvation. Salvation is entrusting your soul to God. What you're saying is, God, I'm going to commit my soul to you. And I believe only through faith will my soul be saved. That there's no other way that I can find salvation except entrusting my soul to you and looking to you. That's faith. That's the faith that leads to salvation. That's what Abraham did. Result, we have the gift of righteousness. That's why it's a gift. It's not a wage. It's a gift. Verse 4. Now, to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. When you go to work every day, and Friday comes, if that's payday, and the boss hands you your check, he doesn't say, I got your check here. You owe me because I'm giving you this check. You're like, no, you owe me because I work for you. That check is not a gift. That check is, according to your notes, payment. It's payment for what you've done. You deserve it. You earned it. You got up every day. You got dressed. You went to work. You worked hard. You did your job. Came home. Got up the next day. Did it again and again and again. And why did you do that? Because you expected to get paid. And if you don't get paid, there's something wrong. And when you do get paid, it's not because you're indebted to the company. The company's indebted to you because you serve them faithfully all week long. So verse 4 again, to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. Verse 5, but to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness.
So now it's not payment that you receive salvation for, it's faith. God is rewarding your faith. Faith is not a work. My understanding of faith is, and so the Calvinists disagree. The Calvinists believe no one has faith, and if God doesn't give you faith, then you can never be saved. I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. I believe everybody has faith. Everybody. It's a matter of what you put your faith in. Some people put their faith in their church and their denomination. Some people put their faith in their goodness and their, in their personality. Some people might put their faith in their generosity because they're big givers. But you have to put your faith in Christ. That's the faith that counts. So I think everybody has faith. So I hear the gospel, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. Ooh, so now I take my faith off my church and I redirect it toward Christ. I take my faith off my works and I redirect it toward Christ. Or I take my faith off my generous personality and I redirect it toward Christ. It's just a matter of what do I put my faith in? When I, when I turn my faith away from all those other things and I put it on Christ, ooh, now it becomes effectual for salvation. So that's why we saw what I just read. Verse 5, to the one who does not work, but what? Believes. There it is. God made it easy for everybody because everybody believes in something. For the one who believes in him, he justifies the ungodly. His faith is credited as righteousness. Verse 6. Just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. And where did David do that? In Psalm 32. In verse 2. Here's what David said. How blessed is the man or the woman. The word man is generic for human being. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. How blessed is the man. How joyful is the man who God does not impute his sin, but he imputes righteousness instead. Why doesn't he impute his sin? Because faith has received the righteousness, and the righteousness has covered the sin. That's why when God looks at a Christian, what does he see? He sees a righteous person. He doesn't see a sinner. He sees a righteous person. And isn't it good to know that when you stand before Jesus at the judgment seat, sin will never be mentioned. Those things you did that you wish you could take back, the things you did that you hope no one ever finds out, well, you know what? They never will. Because they're hidden. They're gone. They're washed in the blood of Christ. We will never stand before God and give an account for our sins. Because Jesus washed them away. He's made been paid for. That's why in Hebrews chapter 11, we've got a list of people that did some bad things in the Old Testament. But when, when they're written about in the New Testament, 
they're not, the bad things are left out, and they're called heroes of the faith. And you're like, oh, how come the bad things are left out in the New Testament, though they did them in the Old Testament? Because in between those two periods, Christ came, and he washed away their sins. So the sin of Rahab, the sin of Samson, they're not mentioned in the New Testament. Why? Because Jesus washed those sins away. So it's good to know that we can live life. We don't have to worry about that embarrassing moment in front of all humanity where God's going to read off all the sins we committed one by one by one by one by one. We don't have to, because that will never happen. Because where faith is, there is now righteousness. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. Yes, I'm, I, I'm full of joy. Aren't you? Aren't you happy? How many would want their sins read before all of humanity when we get to heaven? Well, I don't know about you, but that makes me happy. I don't want to hear your sins either. Therefore, God doesn't just, this isn't, this isn't, this is like, wow. This is like a heavy review for me. God does not justify the godly, but the ungodly. Think about that. God doesn't justify the godly person. He justifies the ungodly person. That's why Jesus said the Son of Man. He came for those who need a physician. He didn't come for those who were well. He came for those who were sick. Remember when the Pharisees questioned Jesus? Why, 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 why do you hang out with those people? Tax collectors and sinners, why are you with them? Because I came to justify the ungodly. Now you people who you think you're godly, I can't justify you. I can only justify the ungodly. Because the godly, they think they're justified. Can't do anything for them. So this kind of creates a whole new, a whole new perspective now. Now the sinner says, wow, I can be justified by God. Your sin doesn't separate you from God. I mean, it does in a relationship, but your sin actually qualifies you to be redeemed, to be brought near to God. And that's why, you know, in many instances, upstanding, kind, honest people, it's very difficult for them to get saved in many instances because they don't see a need for a savior. They're okay. They don't see their sin. But those that know they've sinned, oh yeah, they've lied, they've cheated, they've stolen, they've done drugs, gotten drunk, broken things, they've made a mess of stuff. They know, I need a savior. I need help. And wow, I'm ungodly. That's right. And God can redeem me because God redeems the ungodly, not the godly. That gives hope to everybody. The worst of the worst has hope in Christ because that's who Jesus came for. So justification by faith, simply put. Works equals 
wages. That's because it's merited. So let's say the person that's working to gain salvation, they're the godly ones. They're not going to be justified. They're godly in their mind. The ungodly one, they have no works. They're like, oh, no, man, I got no works. I was, I was speaking to a, a stranger a few weeks ago. I don't know what happened. I was in a store. I don't know. A, a woman came up to me and said, what's your name? <laughs> I'm like, I said, Harry. He said, Harry, huh? I said, no, it's Dave. Oh, what's your last name? I told him my last name. Oh. And she said, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor of a church. Oh, I thought you were somebody else. I said, you should try it sometime. What? You should try going to church sometime. You'll like it. She says, oh, no, I can never go to church. It would burn down. <laughs> a lot of people have said that. But you know what? That's the one Jesus came for. That's the one that should go. The one that thinks the roof will cave in when they go. That's exactly the one that Christ justifies. The ungodly. Why? Because they think they're unworthy. They think they're too bad. They've crossed the line. God's got no use for them. That's exactly who Christ justifies. The ones that recognize their sin. So it's like when you recognize your sin, you're halfway there. This woman was halfway there. She recognized her unworthiness. She needs to take the next step and say, you know what? I'm unworthy. And she needs to find out God accepts the unworthy. And he wants the unworthy. And take that step and go. And hear what? The good news gospel. Not the bad news. It's the good news. That's why it's good news. Because God's accepted us and all of our mess and all of our stuff and all of our junk. God's accepted us just as we are. That's why it's such good news. So works equals wages. Faith equals favor. Favor means gift. Unmerited. You give someone a gift, not because they've gone to work for it. You give them a gift because you love them. You give them a gift out of, out of your kindness, not theirs. And that's the grace of God. Justification by faith. Let me remind you again, we're taking an offering here at New Hope uh, for Samaritan's Purse, for the work that they're doing in Ukraine because of the Russian invasion. If you want to give through our church, you can go to newhopecc.tv, click the giving button, choose a fund, Ukraine, fill out the gift, the info, all of your personal information. We're going to send it all to Franklin Graham, Samaritan's Purse. But I would invite you, go to your church, go to your leaders and your pastors and say, we want to take an offering too. We want to take care of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine that are suffering such a tragedy. Let's, light, let's let the light of Christ shine in Ukraine. <laughs>